Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. As we come to the last of our Wednesday midweek Lenten services for this year, let's backtrack for just a moment, shall we, and review where we've been. Each week, we've encountered some creatures of the cross. That is, some animals, either real or symbolic, that played a role in God's plan to save us from our sins and to bring us to eternal life in heaven. In the first week, we met the serpent of death, Satan, who tempted Adam and Eve into disobeying God and falling into the death sentence of sin. We also learned about a serpent of life, the bronze serpent that God had Moses fashion and hang on a pole so that all who would look upon it in faith would be saved from those fiery serpents that he had sent among them on account of their rebellion. We also learned that Jesus could be considered both a serpent of death and a serpent of life. He was the serpent of death and that he took into himself, into his own body, all of the poison of our sin, becoming for a time the focus of all evil in creation so that he could kill it upon the cross. And yet he is also the serpent of life. The Son of Man lifted up on that cross so he could be looked upon in fear, love, and trust as our Savior from that sin. In the second week, we spoke of the dove that departs and the dove that abides. Noah sent forth a dove from the ark after the floodwaters had destroyed the world to see if it was safe for him and his family and all of the other creatures to return to the new cleansed earth. That dove eventually did not return. So Noah knew that there were places for birds to land and for animals and people to live. And so they left the ark. We also learned how at Jesus' baptism, the Holy Spirit appeared in the form of a dove, visually confirming what the Father's voice echoed from heaven that Jesus was the Son of God, and that He was doing the Father's will in proclaiming the coming kingdom of God and how that kingdom would come about through His death. That same Holy Spirit not only abided with Jesus to uplift Him and support Him during His earthly ministry, but the Holy Spirit is also sent to us and abides with us and with all believers when we become members of the family of God through the gift of faith. In the third week, we met two donkeys. First, the donkey of the prophet Balaam, who was asked by an earthly king to come and to curse the people of Israel, but was stopped from doing so through God's use of that very same donkey. And second, the donkey used by Jesus to ride into Jerusalem. He came as the eternal king of God's people, sent by our Heavenly Father to become a curse for us so that through His suffering and death, we could be blessed for all time. And then last week, we heard about lions. David, who had become the king of Israel, fought physical lions to protect the flocks of his father's sheep. 
Jesus would come as the lion of the tribe of Judah to do cosmic battle with our age-old enemy, Satan, who prowls around as a spiritual lion, seeking to devour us through temptation, sin, and doubt. Jesus does not devour us, though. Instead, He feeds us Himself, both in His precious Word and in the holy sacrament of His Supper. Tonight, finally, we encounter lambs. Long ago in Egypt, suffering under a heavy burden of slavery and ruled by a proud and merciless king, God's people cry out to him for help. He sends them a prophet, Moses, to confront their predicament. And God supports Moses with mighty signs and wonders. When it is finally time for the people to be released from their captivity, God requires a perfect innocent lamb to be killed. The lamb is then to go through fire. The people are to be marked with the blood of the lamb. They are to eat the lamb. And then they are to remember for all time the great mercy and power of God, which provided them protection and rescue, while at the same time those who rejected His message die. The people were passed over by destruction and death. They were marked and counted faithful by God. Many centuries later, when all of the world continued to live under the heavy burden of their sin, ruled by the oppression of Satan and by our own sinfulness, God sent His one and only Son. Like Moses, Jesus had to be rescued as an infant from death at the order of a selfish and maniacal king who feared a threat to his earthly rule. And when he was grown, Jesus confronted evil and cruelty, just as Moses did when he killed the violent Egyptian. But Jesus beat it back with miracles of healing and sustenance, with words of hope and wisdom. Like Moses, Jesus went off into the wilderness to be prepared to serve the purpose to which God called him and to which he sent him. And like Moses, Jesus confronted earthly rulers and told them the dangers of rejecting and ignoring God's will. But unlike Moses, Jesus did not simply order up the killing of lambs to provide blood for a temporary protection or food for fleeting nourishment. As John the Baptist described Him, Jesus became the very Lamb of God Himself. He was the one who had no blemish, no spot, no stain, no flaw or sin of His own. Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. Slaughtered on the cross, Jesus, the Lamb of God, spilled His blood so that it could mark us as God's own and to form a shield of protection around us, a robe of righteousness in which God sees not us, but us covered by Jesus' redemption. Jesus endured the flames of God's wrath prepared to be our Passover meal of preparation, of nourishment, of strengthening for our journey away from the oppressive land of sin and through the stark, threatening wilderness of this world and into the promised land of God's heavenly, eternal kingdom. Though you do still struggle in this life with oppression, with want, with threats, the kingdom is your certain possession. And it will be fully realized in you when you experience your own visitation of death. 
but you will not die hopeless like those who reject God's promises in Christ. You have been purchased and won by the precious blood of Jesus, which seals your safety, not just for a one-night Passover, but for all eternity. In our final Bible lesson today, St. John communicates to us the magnificent wonder of heaven in beautiful and eloquent language. The Holy Spirit guides him to describe the indescribable so that with our limited human comprehension, we might have some understanding just how spectacular is the future which awaits us with God. First, we, the church, are the bride of the Lamb, Christ. We are the new Jerusalem, a city far more glorious than anything we have ever seen. Huge, perfect, and symmetrical. Everything exactly as it ought to be. Radiant and shining with the glory of God. Being here on earth with the promises fully ours, but not yet fulfilled, we come here into God's presence to receive His gifts in this place, in this temple made with human hands. And yet in eternity, we are told by John, there will be no temple in the holy, heavenly city. We will continually be in God's presence. So God the Father and Jesus the Lamb of God will be our temple. Our fellowship with Him will be perfect, true, and serene. Like that of Adam and Eve before the fall into sin, only better. For there will be no night to darken our view of God's glory. There will be no threats requiring the gates of that city to be closed. There will be all the glory and all the honor in the world and more. Satan and all things harmful will be banished. No temptation. No sin. No disease. No violence. No injury. No death. Nothing unclean or detestable will be there, we are told. Instead, we'll be surrounded by all of those whom God has brought to faith. Our names written in the Lamb's book of life. The river of the water of life will flow from the throne of God and the throne of the Lamb, satisfying our every need in the food that it nourishes and in the comfort that it provides. We will reign with the Lamb forever and ever, and our joy will be perfect and complete. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. Amen.